This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. Today, my guest is Scott Rousseau. Scott is a force of nature in the automotive industry and is regarded by many in the automotive industry as the most engaging, motivational, and results-focused performance coach in the business. With nearly 30 years of automobile experience, he has developed a reputation as a cutting-edge industry expert in fixed operations. For those of you who aren't familiar with the car business, fixed operations means service and parts. Scott has started his career as a technician with Bridgestone Firestone. He's rapidly advanced and held positions as service advisor, service manager, assistant manager, general manager, fixed ops director, automotive process consultant, field manager, regional manager, and director of training and learning. Scott's motivational, engaging, and uh, relatable speaking style has inspired positive change at all organizational levels, from porters to executive presidents. And I can speak personally Scott is a friend of mine, and I have worked with him uh, in my previous career. Uh, all of that is absolutely true. Scott, such an honor. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, good to be with you, Josh. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. Absolutely. So, Scott, you um, in your email signature, it's I, one of the things I knew I was gonna I was gonna love you when I first got your first email. It says "Live with passion." Talk yeah. a little bit about how passion is just something that's so critical to leadership. Amen. I mean, that's something that really comes from my dad uh, when I was a kid. You know, he used to say enthusiasm is like a good coat of paint. It covers up a lot of stuff, you know. And so many times in our, in our world, we see situations where even if you're not the most knowledgeable and you're not the most gifted, just having the right amount of energy, uh, you know, what I call an attack mindset, not obviously not attack a customer, but attack the situation and, you know, maximize that opportunity that's there and just have this deep down burning desire to to succeed and, and to do good for yourself, good for others, have the heart of a servant. Uh, all those things are so critical. And that all comes from, you know, deep within. And I think that's what really passion defines. And, and I think uh, it's just a moniker for, for life. And it's not just something that sounds good. It's something I absolutely believe in. And I try, I do my best to live it every day. And, and, and you certainly do. So one of the things we always used to talk about, you know, we'd go out when you we'd come and visit and you'd be inside of our store is um, passion, you know, the difference maker between good salespeople and average or below average salespeople is is two real things, right? One is that passion component. You know, Zig Ziglar had said that selling is a transference of feeling. You know, it's, it's selling that excitement, passing that on to the person that you're speaking with. You know, and the other part, of course, is product knowledge and process. We'll talk a little bit about that, but you're dealing with salespeople almost all day, every day. That's what you do for a living, um, even though it's yep. inside of a, a fixed operations department. Talk about 
Talk about how much more um, in your experience you're seeing salespeople succeed who are passionate and engaged versus those who are kind of just going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, it, it all it all in some ways seems like a statement of the obvious, but I've always believed that selling is something you do for someone, not to someone. And again, that's not just a, a, a you know a, a trite kind of phrase, but I really, really believe that. And uh, when you are engaged, you are enthused. People buy things from people that they like. It's just it's the fact. Customers love to buy things; they hate to be sold things. So, the more likable you are, the more relatable that you are, uh, the more energy that you have. People are going to gravitate towards that. It's just it's just true true of life. It's true in a marriage. It's true in a personal relationship. It's true of anything. So that right there is it's the magic sauce. It, it's a secret sauce. In fact, when I'm doing a I was doing a, a session this week for Ford Corporate, and we, we talk about what is the single most important trait it takes to be an exceptional service advisor, and it takes the ability to be likable. And wh where does likable come from? From passion, from enthusiasm, from want to, from desire. And uh, it, it's just, it's a night and day difference, you know? Some people get up in the morning, they, they just like being miserable. Um, I, I just like to be the exact opposite of that if I can, <laughs> you know? So, uh that's, um, that's, that's what I see. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you, you know, you think of that, uh, the difference in, you know, you and I have both run organizations and, and certainly departments, you know, you watch that person who walk out who, who they're like Eeyore, right? I mean, the shoulders are hunched, they're staring down at the ground, they're not going to greet mm -hmm. a guest. And you think about that, that experience going to a restaurant. You, that is such a difference when someone says, hey, you know, welcome to whatever restaurant this is. We're so glad you're here today. Did you have a reservation versus somebody who's like, you know, not really looking up from their computer screen. It looked like you were inconveniencing them. Um, you know, and I think that does come from what you're talking about with passion and having the heart of a servant. You know, I Pat Lencioni says, and I agree with him, like it's almost comical to hear people talk about servant leadership because is there really any other kind? Like we only have jobs in right. sales because there's a customer. <laughs> We're there to serve them. That's it. You know, I, I had never heard that before, but to whoever that th that gentleman is, is is absolutely correct. Um, it's so it's, it's that is a complete statement, the obvious, but it's genius. You know, and the other thing I would just add to that, when you talk about those Eeyores uh, type of people, you know, uh, uh, being a Winnie the Pooh fan myself, um, <laughs> a lot of times the irony is those people actually think you and I are the ones who are messed up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like. What's, what's the matter with that guy? You know, did, did he take something this morning? Like, how could he be that happy? Because you choose to be. It's a choice. You know, Vince Lombardi said, uh, winning is a choice. Unfortunately, so is losing, right? <laughs> so you can make that choice. We have that choice to go either direction. So uh, that's that's the frustrating thing for me. Uh, you know, some people, they just, you know, as you told me the story one time, do you, do you, do you, do you want to get cured? You know, do you want to get better? That's your, I learned that story from you, Josh. Uh and, and learned a lot from you as, as you and I interface together. So, um, you know, some people just don't want to get cured. You know, they don't want to get better, but yeah. most people do, but some people don't. So speaking of helping people, I mean, that's your, what you're going in and doing. And, you know, one of the right. things that I admired, Scott, about you when you were coming into, you know, my particular business and I was a new GM and learning fixed operations. And then as I kind of got my arms around it, um, leaning on you to help me continue the growth we had was... You make the difficult concepts simple. You remove complexity. You help teams to stay aligned on the main thing. 
Uh, talk about the difference in the people who are willing to do that because it takes up pushing away a lot of distractions, right? You've got bosses who are emailing you saying, what about this number? What about that number? What about this number? You know, meanwhile, you know, two days ago, they gave you an order to do this, right? How how difficult is it and yet in, absolutely critical to take the complex, make it simple and keep the main thing the main thing? Yeah, well, you just, you just took my... Uh... Uh, that's my opening sentence right there. Keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, uh, it's so if, you know, use it, I like sports, right? Sports is a great analogy, right? Uh, used to, you know, you were involved, uh, you, you know, you did so many great things. You ran a racetrack, right? So if we got, we're racing each other. My job is, is to get a better hole shot than you, than a better ET at the end of the race. Therefore I win, right? That's, that's it. The rest of the stuff is just the detail that, that drives that. So I find a lot of times, People, if they if they're not driven, they're not passionate. They focus on these intestinal little details that really don't drive anything, but they make themselves feel good. But they're not putting the points on the board that actually result in things like revenue, guest satisfaction, retention. So uh, for me, it's just being just laser, laser focused on what is it that I am trying to achieve, and I can tell like in a very, very specific way uh, in fixed operations or any business for that matter. We really want two things to happen. Number one, we want the customer to like us, love us, trust us, and believe in us. That's called satisfaction and retention, right? And we want to inspire them to invest in everything that they want or need, right? We want to facilitate that. And then when they do that, we generate this thing called sales. Then there's this thing called gross, and they take a little bit of that money, and they pay all of us with it, you know? And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So those are the two things. Keep people happy. Inspire them to invest. And uh it's it's just it's just getting rid of all that extraneous distraction and just focusing in on that and then saying asking yourself okay what are the steps I have to do to do that so is it is is first of all there's process right we've got to do that and then not just knowing the process but executing the process not pretty much doing it doing it the right way and then how I'm saying what I'm saying those are the things kind of the pillars I think the foundational pieces that that deliver that success so a lot of teams over time, they have, they have, they lose focus, right? So they can't keep the main thing, the main thing, or, you know, yep. one of the things you and I used to talk about quoting Covey was, you know, beginning with the end in mind. So you, you take Begin that mind, yep. and in saying, all right, I want to have good customer sat and we need to make some sales because sales are what generates gross profit and gross profit is what generates net profit. So that all yep. needs to happen, right? I mean, that, that that's a key, a part and parcel of it, but you can't just focus on net profit. Because ironically, when all you focus on is on is net profit, somehow it gets smaller because you're, you're losing sight of the steps that help you to get there. So um, what are some of the common things you're seeing in businesses? And you're, you're, you're specific in automotive retail, but what a, what a lot of people don't realize who have never been in automotive retail, you know, they, they have a negative view of people like you and I who have done it for a living. But what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, within automotive retail, you're running a parts operation, a logistics operation, a service That's department. Right. You've got millions and millions of dollars of assets and inventory. So there are parts and parcels of a bunch of different businesses that you're working on inside of a, a dealership. I mean, you really have, you know, depending on who you talk to, anywhere between, you know, three to five different business units really inside of a, a dealership. So talk about in your experience, Scott, because I do think it relates to other businesses. Why do teams lose focus? What are some of the biggest reasons you think that they, they uh, struggle to keep the main thing, the main thing? 
Oh uh, God, the, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot to that. One of those, I, I think, um, and you know me very, very well. Uh, and as you mentioned, you and I are, are close friends. So, you know, I was synthetically created in a lab to not be an, an accountant, you know, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, <laughs> and not only, not only am I, I'm like happy about it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, but a lot of times, you know, in, in any business, and, and I'll, I can speak for the, the, the automobile, automobile business, but any business is true. Sometimes we get to the point where we think that we're an accounting business that happens to sell whatever it is that we're selling, right? And we get so focused on that. And obviously, we want to look at, no, the reason we want to look at KPIs is for the purpose of driving behavioral change, right? That's why you want to that's why you want to look at a KPI because so, it makes somebody better. But you get so focused on that, you can't de-expense yourself into profit. You can't de-expense yourself into satisfaction. You can't de-expense yourself into sales. So I think what we do is we, we begin to buy into that because usually that person's way, way up here on the org chart. You know, they're called a comptroller or an office manager or um, their initials are TI maybe, you, you know, Um <laughs> You'll get that one later. Um, so, <laughs> um, so it, uh, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's again, put, put again, keeping the main thing in mind, putting the customer first and then letting, letting the benefit of that great experience flow into sales and profitability and so forth, not getting derailed on these little, little details that uh, just disconnect everything and get you, you know, just essentially running an accounting office, you know, because running an accounting office is what you do. You would never spend money on anything. You charge as much. You charge as much as you could, and everybody be miserable all the time. You, you know. You know what I mean. And that's not. A, that's not a slam on an accounting office or accountants. But a lot of times, that's the attitude that perpetuates itself in business. I see. We forget about the importance of the guest. We do. Yeah. Right. So, and then to talk about Scott, because I think part of what happens there is there aren't good. And you talked about KPIs being key performance indicators or things that. And an individual employee is given to say, hey, these are the three things. And, you know, in my coaching practice, I'm recommending that no one is giving an employee more than three things to be working on. I think any more than three is a recipe for disaster. So um, but talk about K the value of the KPI. So it keeps everybody on focus as opposed to arguing about some of the tangential and peripheral things you just mentioned. Yeah, I am so, so glad you brought it up because one of the things, and, and this is beautiful, because one of the things that uh, it, um, just absolutely uh, out of this world impressed me about working with you was you have a lot of GMs or business owners. And again, we you could talk, this doesn't just apply to the carbons, anything, right? We'll say, hey, he, he or she should be doing this. I expect this, but here's what they don't do. They don't articulate it to the, to, who they're expecting to do it. They don't write it down. It's not measurable. It's not timely. And one of the things that you did, and I remember with your service manager at the time, you had a, had a very simple, straightforward sheet. Here's the things I expect of you. Here's how often we look at it. Here's how they're measured. And you talked about it. And when you talked about it, it wasn't like this, you know, if the numbers were good, you would say that. And that was great. And if they weren't good, you would talk about how do we do corrective action? Now that may sound to those listening to this, like the most simple thing in the world, but nobody does that. Assumption is a mother of all screw-ups, right? We just assume he should know or she should know or whatever. But actually, what are your standards for excellence? And then writing those down and making that part of your 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 company's DNA is critical. And you, uh, in fact, of, of the, oh, I think my bio says over, I think it's 34 years now I've been in the business. 
I would say you were one of the absolute best at doing that, at practicing what you preach. And I only say one of, because I just want to give myself a little margin for error there, but you probably were the best, best at that, you know, I just, cause I, I, my, I lose my memory at that, but you were just exceptional at that. And I think that's one of the reasons you had so much success in your leadership was that you defined what good looked like. Uh, you talk to your people about it. You held them accountable to it, but there was never, there was no lack of, there was no ambiguity or lack of clarity on what you expected from your team. And I thought that was wonderful. And I think more people could do that. Um, the world would be a lot better place. Oh, that's really kind of you. Thank you. I mean, you know, I've always subscribed to the philosophy. I think Dave, this is a Ramsey quote or something, but I think he said, you know, to be unclear is to be unkind. And I did that in the main mm -hmm. out of the fact that I've actually worked for people and I hated the experience of going home wondering if I was doing a good job. And so I yeah. always feel as if when somebody gets got in their car at the end of the day, when they were working for us, I wanted them to be able to make the drive home going, yeah, that was a good day because these are yeah. the three things that I measured on and I crushed it today. Or, hey, you yeah. know what? Today didn't go the way that I thought it would, but tomorrow I'm going to come back in and I know what the three things that are expected of me are. And so um, it did make it. And it makes it easy. The beauty of that actually too, there's an, you, you hinted at this is it's really easy to have performance conversations because it's not a mystery. It's not right. subjective. It wasn't up to whether I was having a good day or a bad day. It was, no, it was just, this is, this is what we're expecting to deliver for our guests. And if you're hitting that, you're crushing it. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. And what are you doing so we can help those who aren't achieving right now get better. And then, you know, there's mentoring opportunities and things like that. Um, but you're right. I mean, the beauty of this is that it's simple. The challenge about it is, you know, the things you mentioned earlier that are biting at your ankles that want to get your attention. I, I use the analogy, like, you know, have you ever been out with a friend around a campfire and you guys are having like a great conversation and it's perfect. And then all of a sudden those little ants that come and like they're biting at your ankles, right? And they're clamoring yeah. for your attention. And you're just like, no, I just want to have a good time. That's what it, that's what's what's happening in business, right? There's ants at your ankles and they're trying to clamor for your attention all the time, the latest emergency. But KPIs help us to like, you know, they're like a spray you put on your uh you put on your your ankles or whatever, or bug spray, and it just repels all that stuff, and you just stay focused and you get right back into having a good time and getting to the meat of the conversation. So, uh, Amen. KPI, KPIs are like deep woods off. It just keeps they keep that stuff away. Absolutely. Yep. You're right. It is. Absolutely right. So, you know, Scott, you, you and I had a lot of discussions and share a lot of philosophies around work, kind of workplace, as the listeners can already be telling um, by now. Uh, a lot of what I'm dealing with my clients on right now is the pre-COVID and post-COVID workforce. Now, yeah. you're out there um every week uh with a different client um oftentimes in dealership so this isn't you know what scott's about to share with you isn't abstract this is from the front lines tell us what what you're seeing what's your take on it i think you have you, you might have a little bit of a different perspective i'm looking forward to hearing it yeah so a couple of things first of all i as before i say what i'm about to say, I want to acknowledge that, you know, COVID was a real thing and uh, there were people that were adversely affected by it. And, you know, uh, God forbid, some people lost loved ones and people were sick. And so, so please understand, I'm not, I'm not, dis I'm not being dismissive of that at all, but in some ways COVID has 
uh, given some businesses and some business I interface with almost an excuse for poor guest satisfaction, uh, lack of lack of adherence to process, lack of drive, because we have this ultimate excuse. It's almost like everybody gets all righteous. Well, how dare you? You know, COVID like that makes that makes every every everything everything we do okay. And um, I'll hear even you know it's ironic. I'll hear this from even dealer principals sometimes ago. Well, you know, Scott, you don't understand. We got this going. We got that going. And I guess what, Mister Dealer or Miss Dealer, the customer doesn't care. The customer does not care. And once, you, and that sounds harsh, but once you wrap your head around that prop, that concept, it is incredibly liberating, and incredibly awesome. Because once you know that you are there because of the guests, not in spite of the guests, you're there to serve them. And that all, although what you're saying may be reality to the customer, all they know is they're trying to buy a product or a service or in our business, a, a vehicle, right? Whatever it is. And they want you to be doing backflips to help them. So yes, COVID is a reality, but I think in some ways, and I mean this with all the love in my heart, some of it we need to snap out of it a little bit. You, you know what I mean? Because how we, we can't be ringing that chamois uh, forever. And if obviously if you're sick, you're ill, you got COVID, treat it, take it very seriously. But it doesn't make everything, it doesn't, it's not a permission slip for bad customer service and lack of focus on business. And I, that's what I see. And it, I know that sounds a little edgy. Uh, that's okay. Uh, if it does, um, but that's what I see, and that's that's honestly how I feel about it. Well, I, I happen to agree with you. I think in in general, what COVID created was there uh, an environment in which we all lowered our expectations, um, and I think you know temporarily. I think that some of that was necessary. You know, I mean, at, at points of this, to your point, Scott, you know, and I think you you did a good job of balancing, you know, the compassionate part of that with For sure. some with where we are presently, which is, you know, I mean, people were seeking to protect their lives, and there were things that needed to happen, right? Amen. And you granted that. I think on the we're coming on the other side of this now, and what's happened is it got so entrenched because it, you know, it don't was it take. I mean, it depends on who you talk to, right? 30, 60, 90 days to make it a habit. So the habit of having smaller staffs who and customers who would accept less. Here's the challenge, though. Because of inflation, because of the cost of goods significantly going up, everybody, every business I know has raised their prices. Well, mm -hmm. I think the general customer, and I'm speaking now as a consumer, I'm willing to pay more for the same service I would have got before COVID. That I understand that seems logical to me. Now, am I gonna pay more for worse service? No. That's not happily, it. not happily. You're no, not you're right. not. And, and I'm probably gonna yeah. find somebody else to provide that. But yes. I, I think you're right that that's what's happened. And I think part of that is, and we're gonna talk about recruiting, hiring and onboarding now, is I think the, in, the pendulum swung from on the one hand, the employer has all the rights. Well, if you want a job, you're going to do what I say, you know, like the, all the stuff I was growing up with. And that that in and of itself is flawed. I mean, we could talk about alignment and an employee aligning with an organization's culture and vision and mission and values, and they want to do the work that needs to be done. We can have an alignment conversation, but, you know, do as I say, because I'm the boss. I mean, that was never actually a good strategy. It really just wasn't. Um, maybe in the 50, 50s or 60s, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, exactly. And then on the other <laughs> side, what happened is it swung completely the opposite way to, OK, well, employees can work from home and then they have all these rights. Well, my view, the, the view that I'm holding right now is that employees have always had 
the number of rights that they presently have. It's just their awareness of them and their willingness to exercise them that has changed. And so I look and say, I think the real the real challenge exists in finding people who are good fit. They're aligned with our vision. They're aligned with our mission. They're willing to enthusiastically live out our values. It's They're not faking it. And when you recruit, hire, onboard, and train people who are aligned like that, the work becomes easier. Mm-hmm. Because when you're having a conversation with regards to performance or coming back to work um, or a hybrid work from home model or something like that, it's all around a foundational piece that's shared. So what what are you seeing out there, Scott? Um, because I'm hearing a lot from people that it's really difficult to onboard. And I'm looking at the building blocks of what I just told you. I mean, we can hire anybody, but do you really just want anybody to work for you? Is that good enough? No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, uh, you you get, uh, you you have to have a good foundation, right? You have to have all those things that, that you, uh, those foundational skills, and then you can train or coach into those other things. But here's what I see. I see a lot of times, um, the people who are um, venting about not being able to find staff and, you know, I can't recruit, recruit or hire anybody. We're following the, the traditional, um, the traditional recruiting and hiring methodologies. And you'll hear like, well, I got an ad in a paper. I, you know, uh, what's uh, indeed, right. Or I'm looking on LinkedIn or I've got, and I'll, and I'm not saying there's not good candidates out there. Okay. But the, you know, the old saying goes, wait for your ship to come in. No, go out and swim to get the damn thing. You, you know what I'm saying? So some of these people that we're looking for are out there, but you have to, you have to depart. You have to de- leave the sanctity of your place of business and actually go out and engage, you know, and, and the, and you know, exactly what I'm talking about on, on the automotive business, right? Uh, you know, what are you looking for in a quality professional sales advisor, right? You're looking for someone who's engaging, who's kind, makes good eye contact, who's articulate, who has a sense of humor, you know, you're looking for all these things, right? Those people are out there and uh, who have a deep down burning desire to want to earn, earn a living. But I think if we continue just to sit back and say, kind of, Hey, we're going to wait for it to come in this, Hey, we're giving everybody here an opportunity to work. We have to go out and, uh, and find these people and then sell them on the value of why is your organization better than the guy down the street? What do you offer? What are the intangibles? How do you validate? How do you recruit? How do you, tr- or excuse me, how do you train? How do you hire? What is your career path? How, what happens? You know, uh, what examples can you give to show here's somebody who I hired as a porter who, um, who is now the general manager of the dealership, right? I think those are all the things that we do. And we talk about them we never put a plan in place to actually execute them. And we don't make it part of our, part of our DNA. If you can get somebody to do that. Um, I think a lot of this, what we're talking about becomes a lot better. It does. And it, the, I think, you know, you talk about the assumption being the mother of all screw ups. Um, I think similar to that, I think we just, when we're interviewing candidates, we just assume they just want money. Well, you know, you, you can read any Gallup study. Automotive news is doing some interesting work on this. Well, you can read any of these studies at any moment right now in your business, 50% of the people that are currently working for you are actually considering leaving. And it, it's not about pay in the main. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's about fit. It's about knowing that their work matters. And the generations that follow mine, they're changing jobs just frequently. 
and looking for a good mm-hmm. fit. They want to try new things. So as employers, we've got to look at that and say, what are they really looking for in a home? And are we willing to provide that? If the answer yeah, is yep. no, I think, Scott, you know, you made the point, you know, the sanctity of your own office. You know, you and I have talked about the sanctity of the office countless times. Like if, if the yep. sanctity of the office is more important or or you're unwilling to make some gains with what's emerging in the workplace, these emerging leaders, you're going to continue to have the same problems. So talk for a minute about career path, because I think this is one of the things that when you came in, I was really unaware of, and you got us on, and we started putting some of our technicians on who are highly skilled and trained workers who basically can go anywhere. And and they do. Um, So, but you helped us to give people career paths, which really bought them into um, and created some, uh, you know, some equity in the company. Talk about career pathing. Yeah. So, so um, I I think there's a couple of things with that. Uh, First, I think it's important to acknowledge it's a, it's a two-way street. So the onus is on the business and the leadership to provide that, but you also have to have an individual who wants that, right? Because I've seen many, many times where we, we, we pick out somebody because, we think he or she is a nice person and all that, but we determine that's not where they want to go, right? And here we're trying to put a round peg into a into a square hole. So part of it is is assessing: Do you have somebody who wants to go to the the direction of the career, the spot that you think that they can, and, and do they really want that? And are they willing to put the time, energy, and effort in to, to to get there? So that's I think that's first is identifying the fit, right? That that you have. Then secondly is is putting you know there's a um, objectives should be specific, measurable, actionable, uh, a relative and time-based, right? So if you're getting a career path that should have all those elements in it so that, Hey, it's not just, Hey, Josh, you're a good guy, man. Uh, you know, your assistant to one of the sales guys, one day we're going to make you a salesperson. Then we're going to make you a floor manager. And then, no, you'll get there. Just keep, keep working hard, kid. You know, we need to put a timeline into that, put specific KPIs again, like what you were absolutely exceptional at doing and then saying, okay, if when you meet these things, providing the business can support it, we are going to be able to deliver deliver those things for you. And, and if, I think you'll notice those people are watching this. There's a lot of um, there's some commonalities, and, and there's two parts. We talk a lot about planning, but you, I'm hoping everybody gets out of this the importance of action, right? Doing something about it, right? So we can talk about it all day, and we can have all the charts and graphs, but you actually have to execute the stuff. So. Give, give them what's the end result. Again, we'll begin with the end in mind. How do we get there? At what time? What are the KPIs? And then, gosh, give them all the benefits that come with achieving that, but also making aware of the challenges, right, that, that come with that, too. So, you know, the old saying is everybody, everybody wants to be a fighter pilot until it's time to do fighter pilot stuff, right? <laughs> everybody wants to be Josh until it's time to do Josh stuff. So uh, I, I think that's the key. That's good. So Scott, and that's an, a big area where when you go in, you were coming into our dealership and you, you're pretty standard of uh, the way you handle this. You know, you'd go in and quarterly and we found like, what a great time. So a lot of what I'll do too, is we'll, do, you know, create annual plans uh, and then go in and you will quarterly follow up. And and in my view, what coaches really do when we come in, is it's, it's really three things. One is we are coming in with proven tools. You know, you've got a rim selling process that's highly effective. You've got tools that help um, to make sure that we're, uh, you know, like the, the I'm thinking of the rim selling chart, um, you know, the desk yep. thing. Like you, you come in and you're bringing tools. Secondly, you're bringing 
a real world experience. You know, you've been a technician, you know exactly what that mentality is like. You've been a fixed ops director. You've been a VP for a, you know a distributorship for one of the largest, uh, well, the largest car maker in the world. Yeah, you've you've done the job, right? And then I think the last thing is, and I think this word word sadly is is grossly misunderstood, but it's accountability. You know, going in and saying, hey, we talked about last time this was going to happen, and so knowing that that's going to happen that you're going to come in in a quarter and you're going to follow up on that. There's a built in like, okay, I know Scott's going to be asking me about this in a, in a way that keeps us honest and focused. Like we want, not in a heavy handed way. Coaches aren't coming in to beat people over the heads. That's like the beatings will continue until morale improves. You until know, morale improves. <laughs> yeah. But like, okay, that's a highly effective strategy for no one. Exactly. Right. But yes, the accountability yeah. in the sense of like, I know you're capable of these results. I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to ask the questions so that you can achieve these extraordinary results. And I think that's really Amen. what coaches do. It's tools. It's it, the real world experience. And it's the accountability piece, the, the best sense of the word, not the, I got you. So sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I would absolutely agree with that. And, and, and I think, uh, just a, I wouldn't even not an add to it, but a thing I, I I would put with that too is the ability to take all that and articulate it in an inspired way, right? And yeah. it's just like um, the information can be there, but if you can't recreate a situation at, at, as a leader or as a performance coach, whatever, where the person is amenable to receiving information, right? Because it's not hard to go and you will, you won't, I'm, you know, I know everything, you know, don't, you know, obviously we don't want to do that as leaders. We want to share our expertise, be proud of that. That's great. We don't need to be ashamed of that, but you have to create an environment where the person you're trying to help is willing to receive it and they'll take action from it. Because humans, we have, a, we have an innate ability to become incredibly defensive and always want to be right, right? That's the, that's a, that's a human condition, right? So if you can break down those barriers, and that person, as a leader, your associate knows you're only trying to help them, and thereby helping them, we help everybody. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But you have to create that environment first, and until then, the the the, the paint's not going to stick. You, you know what I mean? It's gonna, yeah, it's going to fall off the wall. So, yeah, exactly. There's got to be there's going to be a trust important. in which somebody can actually receive what you have to share because you know that their best mm -hmm. the only thing you have in mind is their best interest that's exactly right so scott exactly. thanks so much for the time it's so great to catch up with you and have you chatting on the podcast i'm sure that our listeners are going to have uh, many takeaways with them for people who want to learn more about you um, because i think they probably picked up quickly you might specialize in the automotive business particularly fixed ops but um you know you're a very engaging speaker and uh you know really thoughtful in the leadership space as well where can they learn more about you um, so uh, I, I can, uh, my phone number, I'll, I'll share that. I'll share my email, I'll share my website. So uh, it's www.russocoaching.com, uh, R-U-S-S-E-A-U, coaching.com. My phone number is 713-582-8576. And my email is obnoxiously long. Uh, Scott at Russo high performance coaching.com. You agreed with me on that one, didn't you? Scott at Russo high performance coaching.com. So yes, yeah, so if I could, I'd, I'd love to hear from anybody, anybody I can help and uh, very passionate about helping people and uh, our business. So uh, please let me know. Awesome. And Scott, this, has been, this has been a blast, Josh. It's been, a, I, did, I didn't realize these were this fun. I, oh, I, they are. Yeah. Great. We'll, we'll have you yeah. back on again. Well, thanks again to Scott Rousseau for being our guest. Tune in uh, again next week for another episode of the High Performance Podcast for leaders. Thanks. All right, guys. L hey, live with passion. <laughs>